do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and today our guest is Eric Johnson. Eric is a research associate for the Mormonism Research Ministry. He co-hosts the daily radio program Viewpoint on Mormonism. He's a co-author of Answering Mormons' Questions, Ready Responses for Inquiring Latter-day Saints, and Mormonism 101, Examining the Religion of the Latter-day Saints. He's also a regular contributor to the Christian Research Journal. Before we jump into our episode, real quick, two items. First, starting this week, we are uh, rolling one episode a week going into the fall season. So uh, next episode will occur you know, next Monday. So just letting you know of the, the slight uh, schedule change. Uh, second, uh, make sure you check out our website, entrustingthefaith.com. Scroll down to the bottom, sign up for our emails that tell about the podcast guests and what's going on uh, for that week's episode. As well, make sure you check out my book if you haven't done so, Leading Well at Home, How Husbands and Fathers Can Biblically Lead Their Families. It's a great resource for guys who are wanting to know what are some action steps I can take uh, to lead my family uh, in a godly and biblical manner. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and today I'm excited because I have Eric Johnson with me. He is a researcher for the Mormonism Research Ministry. He co-hosts the daily radio program, Viewpoint on Mormonism. He's the co-author of Answering Mormons' Questions, Ready Responses for Inquiring Latter-day Saints, uh, also Mormonism 101, Examining the Religion of the Latter-day Saints, He's also written Mormonism 101 for Teens, which is really cool. I'm excited about that. We'll talk about that some as well. Uh, and he's also edited Sharing the Good News with Mormons uh, with Sean McDowell. Um, he is uh, a well-versed resource in this field. And even more, he's, he's a husband, he's a father, he's a Christ follower. And we are so thankful to have Eric with us today. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me on, Eric. Oh, it is my pleasure. Now, for those who are not familiar with it, what is the Mormonism Research Ministry? We're a Christian organization that was founded by Bill McKeever in 1979, so we've been around for a while. Uh, basically, we have two objectives. We're, again, evangelical Christians, and that we want to be able to explain Mormonism to Christian audiences so that they can not only understand what Mormonism is all about and be able to understand their language, but also so that they might be able to witness to their LDS friends and family. And then also our second objective is to share the good news with Latter-day Saints. So we do a lot of public kinds of evangelism at different events, uh, trying our best to, and I, we live in Utah, uh, Bill and myself. And so we're right at the heart of where Mormonism is all, all about because Salt Lake City is the headquarters for this uh, religion of about 16 million people. Wow, 16 million. I wasn't sure how many uh, how many Mormons there were. 
Yeah, uh, 16 million. They grew very small last year, uh, 125,000, which was uh, less than half of what they had had the previous year. COVID certainly has done a number on their evangelism, but they still are very popular, especially here in the West. But even uh, even on the uh, Eastern side in the South, there are a lot of temples, a lot of buildings, uh, uh, people who are LDS who need the gospel as nice as they can be, but they, if they do not have the gospel according to the Bible and the and the Jesus of the Bible, then they are uh, they they're headed to hell. I hate to say that, but that's the reality of it all. And we want to be able to share truth in a loving and kind way. First Peter three talks about how we're supposed to always have an answer for everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope we have but to do it with gentleness and respect. So that's a lot of what our ministry is trying to do, is just trying to, in a respectful way, say, hey, we have differences, and let's take a closer look at what the Bible has to say. Excellent. Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, helping, really helping believers understand the language and the terminology and how uh, Mormonism talks about itself and also talks about Jesus, because they talk about Jesus, but they don't really talk about Jesus the way the Bible talks about Jesus. So what are some of the, you know, what are some ways that Mormonism differs from biblical Christianity? Boy, that I'm going to say Mormonism as a religion denies or distorts every single fundamental teaching of the historic Christian church. And when I, when I say that, I'm not just saying, well, that's all an opposition. They certainly have the same language as you mentioned. So when they say Jesus and when you say Jesus, we're talking about two different people. Or when we say salvation by grace, you ask a Latter-day Saint, do you believe in salvation by grace? Of course, they'll say they do. But then you, if you don't understand what that means, then you could, uh, talk right past the LDS, uh, the Latter-day Saint, and, and Mormon, by the way, is a nickname, uh, but you can talk past them and they won't understand what you're talking about. So what we really want to make sure we tell people to do is find out what they believe and not just tell them what they believe by studying the church's doctrines, but to, uh, to, to understand where the religion is coming from and what the leaders in Salt Lake City have said, but then to let them tell you what they believe. And when, when, for instance, salvation by grace. We as Christians believe in salvation by grace, but we have a definite meaning to it. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says that we're saved by grace, and it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Very clear on what that is. Well, you ask a Latter-day Saint when he says he believes in that, and he'll say, well, it's God's enabling power. God's enabling power to do what? to keep the commandments. And so this is like any other works-oriented religion. And I've, I used to teach at the college and seminary level, uh, world and American religions. I'm gonna say there's a common denominator when it comes to these other religions. They all have this idea that you have to do, do, do. That you ask the question, what do I have to do for God? And Christianity asks a much different question. What did God do for us? And that's where grace comes in. So to explain that to a Latter-day Saint and to say, there's nothing I do for what we as Christians call justification by faith alone. That God, another big term we might use, imputation. That God credits us for righteousness that we did not earn. That is foreign 
And, and I, I'm not advocating using a bunch of big words to try to uh, make a Latter-day Saint uh, not understand. I want to I want to define my terms, but very clearly the Bible teaches that it's by faith and faith alone and not by works that allows a person to be able to receive uh, God's favor, to receive that grace, and that good works come as a result. And Latter-day Saints know their Bible. They do have the Bible as part of their canon, the King James Version, they say, as far as it is translated correctly. But oftentimes when you show them a verse, they'll say, well, I'm not sure that's translated correctly. So oftentimes that's a, a way for them to get out of it. But they, they like to quote verses and they'll quote to you, James 2.20, faith without works is dead. Well, well, I always like to say, uh, yes, I agree with that. You can't just say you're a faith Christian and there's a works Christian, that the two go together. But works are not part of justification. As I mentioned earlier, it's just as if I never sinned, but it's part of what we call sanctification and working out your salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul said in Philippians 2.12. So I want to make that very clear when I'm talking about a specific doctrine, whatever it might be, and I'm using this as an example, that it's, it, there's a difference here. And why does the Mormon go straight to James 2.20? They don't like the idea that it's so easy that you don't have to quote unquote do anything. Well, somebody had to do something and that was Jesus. His righteousness is imputed into us so that we might have eternal life so that we might do good works. And James or um, uh, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship created by Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do right after he just got done saying we're not saved by works. So he's not being schizophrenic. He is trying to let you know we're saved by grace. Yes, the works come as a result of who we are. So I, hopefully in that example, it tells you in one very important example, uh, the topic of salvation, there are differences between Mormons and Christians. Wow. Yeah. And so very much that idea, we use similar terms with very different meanings and very different understandings behind the scenes. Uh, so yeah, it sounds like need to make sure we're asking those questions of them and just hearing what they say uh, instead of, like you said, telling them what, what we believe. Um, something with that, that, you know, the, the works-based faith um, that is, I think, unfortunately, that even pervades some of our churches too, sure. where we um, that that somehow it's appealing as if we can if we can do enough that that pride gets in the way. Now, one of the things I've noticed is the the Latter Day Saints, the Christians, they somehow sort of get lumped together in statistics. Um, and I, I didn't know if that was like a one time thing or if I misread that sometimes. Um, do they tend to group those, I mean, believers and, and uh, the Mormons uh, together? Oh, I think oftentimes polls will do that, and they're going to say the Christian point of view. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you know that not everybody at your church is a Christian, you know, that, but if you ask them what they were, they would say they're Christian. Mormons do believe they're Christian. In fact, they get very offended. It's a terrible evangelism strategy to go up to a Latter-day Saint and say, you're not a Christian because all you're asking for is a fight. Uh, but what I like to do is I like to, when, when they say, well, do you believe that Mormons are Christian? I'll oftentimes respond back, well, do you think that Christians are Mormons? Because see, what they're trying to say is that Christian and Mormon are synonymous terms. But when you put it the opposite way, 
they would say no. If they said yes, you say, okay, well, then I guess I don't have to do anything else and I can drink coffee at the same time because Mormons aren't allowed to drink hot drinks. So uh, so why why should I bother to keep all the rules and regulations and go to the temple if, uh, if I'm just as Christian as you are? So I think that's an important thing for us as Christians to make a stand that there is a historic meaning to the word Christian and it never has had anything to do with the teachings of Mormonism, the idea that God was once a man, the idea that Jesus is the firstborn of God the Father and Lucifer is his spirit brother, the idea that uh, there are things we have to do, such as getting baptized and going to the temple and going to church services and not drinking coffee or tea, uh, tithing, all these things that you have to do. Uh, we have many differences. And so if we can, if we can get a Latter-day Saint to walk away agreeing that we both are not on the same page when it comes to our beliefs, and the law of non-contradiction says that something cannot be A and non-A at the same time. If Mormonism is true by definition, biblical Christianity is not true, and we should all become Latter-day Saints and vice versa. Or maybe both of us are wrong, and or atheism, uh, Hinduism, Islam, one of those religions is true, but we all can't be true. And I think a lot of Latter-day Saints, when when I put it in that way, they'll agree, yeah, we do have differences. And you're right, we both can't be true. Because otherwise, if we're both true, then when I die, even though I haven't been to the temple, even though I haven't been baptized in the LDS church, I would hope that I get to go to what they call the celestial kingdom, the top level of heaven, that I might be able to be with my family forever. And that someday, I can become a God and my wives will become the goddess wife. Uh, well, actually, my wife would. And then there will be polygamy reinstated just as Heavenly Father supposedly uh, was polygamous. And so uh, with the Latter-day Saint uh, understanding that I'm not headed to the celestial kingdom in my current state, uh, and he probably isn't either. He probably realizes he's not doing everything he's supposed to do to be able to to attain that uh, what they call exaltation or eternal life. Uh, we're all probably bound for the middle kingdom, which is called the terrestrial kingdom where good people go. That I like that idea of if you can walk away and at least from that conversation, at least having an understanding that we are different. Right. I like that, that, you know, if, if they say they are, you know, if we are both Christians, well, that doesn't really work, right. It's, it's right. one or the other. And so, and that's a really good distinction that, um, and and that makes sense why the Christians and Mormons sometimes get grouped together in various things because they would claim, yes, we are Christians, and yet they are clearly not. And Eric, I would say this that I think one a very important point to make to be able to successfully share your faith with Latter-day Saint. Number one, you need to know what you believe. You need to be able to describe what grace is all about, who Jesus is. I mean, even the Trinity, obviously. The Trinity goes beyond our pay grade. It's uh, God is transcendent. He's above our thoughts. We can't fully grasp him. At the same time, the Bible has given us information that God, the Father, is God, uh, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. So to be able to have a clear understanding of what you believe. But I also think, just like the Secret Service will take a close look at the counterfeit bills that are out there. They know the real thing, but they also go and study what the counterfeiters are doing. And I believe Mormonism is a counterfeit religion. We need to understand what their leaders have said. And even if an, an individual Latter-day Saint might not believe the way that their leaders do, you'll be able to detect that. And you can start to think 
like a Latter-day Saint, to be able to, to know what he's thinking, where he's going to go, so that you might be able to present him with information that might be challenging and get him to realize that just because he's a good person, which most Latter-day Saints are, and they, they think that's going to get them to heaven, but that is not what the Bible says gets a person to heaven. Mm, that is true. And that's really good to know. Just so you are, you know, for everybody listening, for myself, we are aware uh, of, of those challenges and those questions and make sure we really know what we believe. Right. Um, now, one thing you had mentioned kind of beforehand that I thought was really interesting uh, dealt with um, archaeology. And so the, the Bible is, um, man, it's solid. It is historically accurate. Um, what kind, how, does, how do the archaeological finds in the Mideast help support the Bible? And then what kinds of archaeology support the Book of Mormon? That's a great question, and I get to I get a chance to bring people to the Holy Land every year. Um, even last year during COVID, I had taken two trips, so I usually take two or three trips and have taken over four hundred people. And when we go, we actually take them to places that are not might be or could be uh, Jerusalem or Caesarea or Caesarea Philippi, all the different places, but are real places. And there are more than 80 biblical characters we have archaeological evidence for. Uh, we have good reason to believe that the people talked about in the Bible are real people, and the places that they lived were real places, and actually the events that took place are real events, such as Lachish, and there's a ramp that's from the Assyrians. The Assyrians used to destroy Lachish. It's still there today, and that's just one of numbers of, 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 of archaeology that can help us to understand these are real places. But when it comes to the most important of all LDS scripture, which is the Book of Mormon, you have to understand a Latter-day Saint has four scriptures. He has the Bible, the King James Version, as far as it's translated correctly. He has the Book of Mormon. He has the uh, Doctrine and Covenants, which was produced by the founder of the church, uh, Joseph Smith, as revelations from God. And then finally, there's what's called the Pearl of Great Price. But the most important of the four is the Book of Mormon. Supposedly, it tells the story of a man named Lehi who left Israel around 600 BC, right before Judah was going to be completely conquered by the Babylonians. And so he came on a ship with his sons, uh, Nephi and Laman, and they arrived in the Americas and produced a whole new culture here of Jewish bred uh, people. Uh, and, and so th there were millions of them in this continent. And it took a thousand years, around 400 AD, before one group, the Nephites, who were the white and delightsome group, uh, were destroyed by the wicked Lamanites, who were dark skinned. And, and so around 400 BC, that all the Nephites are gone, but these people were everywhere. Well, today, if you ask a Latter day Saint, where are the Book of Mormon lands, you'll get one of two answers either North America or most of the uh, scholars from BYU believe it is in Central America. And they point to the Aztec and Mayan ruins as evidence for the uh, Lamanite people. But uh, the Mayan experts, they certainly say that's not true, that these are, these are not people with, uh, with uh, Hebrew blood. 
Uh, and there's certainly no evidence on the North American continent. We don't know where the places are. They're, it's a mystery. They've done digging. There's a hill in New York where Joseph Smith supposedly found the gold plates of the Book of Mormon so he could translate them. We don't have those plates. Nobody ever saw them except through vision only. But we, we, have, we know where the hill is, Camorra, where there was supposed to have been a big battle. They've done archaeology there. They can't find anything. Uh, and these guys had steel swords and they had uh, other implements. When there's battles, when there are people living in cities, they leave their junk behind. But you don't find anything in the Americas that would support the story of the Book of Mormon. Wow. So we have uh, solid biblical evidence, solid archaeology for, uh, for our Bible, and no archaeological evidence at all for the Book of Mormon, it sounds like. Well, a, a Latter-day Saint might disagree with me, but uh, then I always like to ask, okay, can you help me? Show me a place that we could say definitively is the place that was talked about in the Book of Mormon. And oftentimes they'll say, oh yeah, there are places down in you know, Central America, or there's a museum. I've heard that before. Well, can you, okay, show me what, which museum or what artifact will help me. But I can take you to Israel. Love to have you come with me to Israel because we're there for 10 full days on the ground. And every day we are seeing, I mean, we're seeing each day dozens and dozens of places that are real places. The names are even the same. So it's just amazing. The Bible has the same amount of time as the Book of Mormon. And yet the Bible, we, we can go to Israel, we can go to Jordan, we can go to uh, Greece and Turkey and Italy. All of these places scream out that the Bible has historical uh, evidence behind it. Wow. And that is, uh, you know, for believers, as, as you know, everybody listening, that is, um, that just helps solidify our faith. You know, we are not, we do not believe, uh, you know, our faith is not in a, a fairy tale book. It is grounded in historical truth. And so um, that is so encouraging uh, to be reminded of that. Um, now, take a slight tangent here. Just um, let's talk about Mormon missions, because I think at least uh, we'll, we'll just say in the, in the United States, or at least where I've been, um, Mormon missions are, I mean, you, you see them out there on the bicycles, you see them out there, uh, you know, going door to door. Um, would you share a little bit about it in general? What, what is it? Why do they go in this, in this way? Uh, they have two types of missions, one for older people who will go after they're retired, and they'll oftentimes go to visitor centers. Uh, they won't do a lot of the work that the younger people will do, but it's kind of a rite of passage for when a boy turns 18, he will serve two years normally. It's not required, it's not forced, but he will have saved his money with his parents for all those years when he was born and uh, go on a Mormon mission. Uh, he's told where to go. The leadership will, will give him a place. And then he goes to the uh, missionary training center. They're returning back there after COVID before they were just sending them out to the field and learning on the field. But now they're returning them to Provo, Utah, where they will, where BYU is. And, the, and they will train them up in, in a few weeks, to show them how they're supposed to do evangelism. And also if they have to learn a foreign language, they give them the real basics there for, uh, I think it's 
it's like six weeks and then they send them out. But they'll serve, the boys will serve two years and the women will serve 18 months and they can do it at 19. The church just recently in the last uh, decade moved those ages down. It used to be 19 and 20 and a half, but now they're 18 and 19. This is a really good way for many uh, uh, young people to own their Mormon faith because they're indoctrinated. Many of them may not have paid much attention when they were younger uh, in the, in, uh, while they even have in high school, they'll have classes here in the West uh, uh, called seminary. It's not it's not graduate level, but it's high school level, and they train them uh, through their different scriptures and their history. But this really solidifies a lot of the um, of these young men and women uh, in their faith. They're doing this six days a week, sometimes 16 hours a day they're working. And uh, when they come back, oftentimes they're really solid in the faith um, that uh the, the hope is that they will get married right away. So there's usually a line of women waiting for the boys to come home when they're 20. And you hear it all the time here in Utah, the average marrying age, I think it's uh, for women, I think it's 20 in, and 22 for men, uh, 20 for the females. Uh, so they get married at a really young age. They start having children right away and they get so busy, they don't have a whole lot of time to think. I think if we ever meet a missionary, we need to realize these are not theologians. These are not people that you have to be scared of. If you know your basic belief and you know a little bit about Mormonism, these are just, these are kids. I mean, how many 18 year old theologians does your church have? <laughs> I think about that and you know, I, I don't know very many. And I taught at the high school level. I taught Bible course uh, classes at, uh, at a Christian high school uh, for 17 years. So I've been around and I can know there's some that are really sharp, but most of those kids, they have a lot, a long way to go. So I think we need to love these kids when, if they ever get a chance to come to our door and you run, run across them to be able to uh, ask them some questions, to love them, to give them a meal. I think that's a wonderful witness. Uh, if, if they came to your door, would you like a water? You know, they don't, uh, they're not going to drink coffee or tea, but they'll certainly take a water or perhaps even a soda and just, you know, sit down with them and ask some questions about who they are, because I'm going to be honest with you. There are so many LDS missionaries who on their mission meet Christians sometimes for the first time. And the things that they say could have an impact. I have a friend, uh, he, um, served a mission years ago in California, and it took one man, a friend of mine actually, who spent five minutes with him in a restaurant, met him in a restaurant when he was talking to potential converts, and shared with him a couple of verses, and he left. And my friend never forgot that man. And when he got back from his mission, he ended up leaving the church. He did what is very natural. He went to atheism. He just didn't think anything was true. And so he he did that for a few years, but he had a void in his heart for God. And he met another Christian. And I've known this guy now for 11 years. He's been a Christian for 12 years. He is on fire for God because of what one man did. He said, that one man, his name is Dick Bear, uh, uh, challenged me and I didn't like it but it changed my life forever. And he knows that what he's in now, as far as being a Christian, is so much better than what he knew as a Latter-day Saint. Wow. Just having gracious conversations, asking them questions, um, just showing them uh, just some kind hospitality. It sounds like it can go a long way. Yeah, absolutely can.
And that's encouraging too, because sometimes I know we can feel a little intimidated by that. Uh, so that sort of that sort of lowers the the bar in terms of uh, of the fear factor, a little of the uncertainty, and just being able to have those conversations. So um, I, I appreciate that. Um, what are so when we're thinking so for our audience and families? So whether we have young children, whether we have teenagers, um, what are some ways that we can equip them uh, with, in order to have conversations with Mormons, whether they are, uh, you know, whether they're on a sports team with them, whether they are, you know, uh, doing different activities, whether they sit next to them in a classroom, um, what are one or two things that we can do to help prepare them? Well, I think a general principle is train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, that's a general principle. That's not saying just because you've done that, they're always going to own their own faith. And that was one of the things I worked with when I taught at a Christian school. But I think what we can do is really work hard at training the kids what we do believe as Christians and really solidify their faith there. And then when they um, run across Latter-day Saints, whether it's on a sports team, as you mentioned, or at school or a neighbor, I think that's a teachable moment. We educators like to use the word teachable moment, uh, a way that we can say, okay, this is great because this person, I bet they say they're a Christian, but you, you ought to ask them some questions. And so you could work through some of those things in a kind way because kids can be really mean if you don't do it the right way. But you know, here are some things maybe you can ask. I actually wrote a book called Mormonism 101 for Teens, and it was written for high school students mainly, but also for the parents, because in that book, I, I share some of those language similarities uh, and, and things that you ought to think about, some of those differences that uh, our book Mormonism 101, it's more of an adult book, uh, does as well. I think uh, maybe going even through a book like that could be helpful to, to better understand it. The parents are going to learn a lot just by, uh, by studying. When you study uh, the counterfeit, you're really going to appreciate the genuine, and it's really going to make that much more sense to you. So I think it's, it's, it can be a very valuable experience. So yeah, you can get either of those books on Amazon uh, if somebody would like to learn more about what Latter-day Saints believe and how you can share your faith with them. Excellent. Because, yeah, that was uh, kind of one of those questions, because sometimes we are, you know, we want to learn more, but we're not sure where to go. And sometimes just being able to have that uh, a couple of resources to just be able to read and access are huge. Um, and so just kind of as we're wrapping up here, um, if our listeners want to know more about you, more, uh, about what you guys are doing out there, about resources, where would you like them to go? They can go to our website. We have a number of articles and videos that would be very helpful. Also, our podcasts, which are radio shows, um, are also there. We have over 2,500 cataloged over the last 10 years that we've done the show. It's mrm.org. That stands for Mormonism Research Ministry. We've been around on a website for, uh, since 1995, so we got a three-letter URL, mrm.org. A uh, great place to start, and I think you could spend all day just looking at the different uh, uh, resources we have available. Excellent. Well, for everybody listening, we're going to put that information in the show notes. Definitely check it out. 
get equipped uh, and and get some information so that you know so as followers of Christ we can we can be prepared uh, to to be able to to handle those who who say one thing but really believe something quite different than biblical Christianity. So, um, Eric, thank you so much uh, for your time today. This was extremely helpful, not only for me, I know it is for our audience as well. Thanks for having me on, Eric. Wow. Wonderful uh, conversation with Eric Johnson. Uh, A few things that jumped out at me first. He was talking about how Mormonism as as a religion denies or distorts every single fundamental teaching of the historic Christian church. So, as believers, we need to understand to be a Mormon is not to be a Christian. They will deny it. They will argue that point. So, that's not a, a point to argue about, but just to have a conversation. But remember, Mormonism distorts everything about biblical Christianity. Second, uh, just how he talked about in order to successfully share your faith with a Latter-day Saint to make sure you know uh, exactly what you believe, as well as, you know, as he talked about, you know, understanding what the counterfeit is. And so make sure that you have an idea of, you know, what Mormonism is saying, what their leaders have said. Understanding both of those viewpoints and, and you know, pieces of information will greatly help you in your conversations. Last, you know, how we talked about, you know, if you meet a missionary, uh, we need to realize they are not theologians, uh, they're not people we need to be scared of, and how missionaries who are on their mission, sometimes when they meet Christians, they're doing it for the first time. And things that we say can have a huge impact, not only in not only in their life, you know, the next few years, but for eternity. So, wonderful conversation with Eric Johnson. Website information, everything else, books, all of uh, the references, all of it's in the show notes. Make sure you check it out uh, in order to be equipped and and be able to have those conversations. Uh, not only with uh, Mormons, but also to equip uh, your families as well. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, Check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, at Entrusting the Faith, you can email us at info at entrustingthefaith.com. If you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, uh, you can sign up to our email list and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember, legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.